We are talking about joy, and God desires us to be joyful. And I know sometimes we think that's easy to say, but how? Because things that are happening in my life, and, and it's just, um, man, almost impossible. But yet we've been looking that Paul shows us some principles that we can apply to our life, and we can be joyful just like him. Um, he was in the middle of prison at this time, uh, in chains for Christ, and yet he was rejoicing in all that God was doing and encouraging them. He should have been the one needing encouragement, and yet he was the one uh, saying, man, lift your heads up, rejoice. And, and so I want us to, to begin to put that into practice in our life. And we've been looking at these over and over, and we've just been still in chapter one of Philippians and we're going to stay in that chapter today and probably for several more weeks. Um, but today I want to um, uh, pick it up where we left off. And we are going to look at another source of joy for Paul. And um, uh, we'll get to that. So let's go ahead and uh, read our text. And we'll pick it up in verse 1 and read down um, uh, through our uh, text today, which will be ending um, in verse 14. So it says, uh, Philippians chapter 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, uh, making prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus." And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may be able to approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I want you to know, brethren, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known and evident throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord because of my imprisonment. And they are now much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul opens this section starting in verse 12 uh, to 14 that we're looking at today um, with these words. He says, I want you to know, brethren, that what has happened, and he goes on to talk about that. The thing that he's going to show them, he's going to tell them, I want you to know that everything that has happened to me has brought joy to my life. Um, that, that I have an, the other source of joy in my life is the things that God has 
brought to pass in my life. You see, what has happened is the source of my joy. Now, when we look at that, can you say that, that that what has happened in your life has caused you joy? Sometimes we say that when there's some things that happen. But he is saying this uh, in all the times. He's saying all the things that have happened to me, man, they just make me smile. They, They just lift my spirit. When I think about what has happened to me, man, I just want to praise the Lord. You know, I think we need to know this because I think if we can apply this, we are in a time that, man, what is happening is not bringing us joy. In fact, we're just waiting for what is happening to finish and for something else to happen. And yet we don't need to wait. We can be like Paul. In fact, Paul says we need to be like Paul and say, what is happening right now to me is is joyful. Um, uh, and and there's, there's three reasons. But first of all, let's, let's look at, because, you know, when we look at that, we say, you know, but you just don't know what's happened to me. You know, it's easy to say that, but you don't know what's happened in my past. And what has happened to me sometimes are untalkable uh, things that we can't even talk about. There are things that, that I don't even want to think about that have happened to me. And how can you say that those things can bring joy? And I understand that. Paul understands that. But what he wants us to know is there's something bigger than that. And there is something that is at work that we need to lift our eyes. Because what is happening is many times we are so focused on the circumstance that happened that we did not look at the result or the consequence of the, or the purpose of what happened. And so Paul is saying you need to step back and see a bigger picture because right behind what is happening is something glorious. And you don't, let to, you don't need to let what is happening control you, but you can see past what is happening. And that's where the joy is. So let's look at what happened to Paul. When he said what has happened to me is joyful, we need to know what happened to him. Uh, first of all, um, uh, we look in this same book in Philippians. Uh, we can just skip forward to Philippians chapter 3. Um, in Philippians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 4, he says this, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he has confidence in the flesh, I more so. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, I am of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I even persecuted the church. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law, I am blameless. The first thing that happened to Paul, he says, you know what there was? There was some good things that happened to me. I, I, I had, for him, uh, a, a great legacy Um, I was raised uh, as a Jew of the Jews. Um, I was trained in the law by one of the great teachers of the time, a a rabbi uh, that was renowned. Um, uh, You know what? He says he had zeal for the the, uh, Torah and for uh, 
the, the, uh, the pharisaical uh, studies. And so great things happened to him. And yet he says, right after he says, but what things were gained to me, these I count as loss for Christ. Indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. Here's the next thing. He said, here's what has happened to me. I came to know the Lord. What I thought was the best part of my life was actually the worst part of my life. Now that I know Christ, this is what has happened to me. You know what? He has given me a new life. I know Christ. Um, and we know the story that Christ himself appeared to him on that road uh, uh, to Damascus. And he encountered the greatest knowledge that he ever had. But again, a great thing happened to him. And so we can understand rejoicing that. But that's not the only thing. He goes on and we can skip forward to chapter 4. Um, in uh, Philippians chapter 4. It says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I am well-fed or I am hungry, whether I am living in plenty or in want, for I can do all these things through Christ who gives me strength. He says, it's not just been good things that have happened. I've had to learn how to rejoice when I'm hungry. I've had to learn to rejoice um, uh, when I was in hardship and, and when I was hurting. And yet I have learned that whether things are going great or things are going bad, it's all in the hands of God. And I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. I can rejoice because God is working. Now he's mentioned some of those bad things. Um, uh, but if you will look in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he describes again a couple of things that have happened to him. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, uh, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That means a whipping uh, of 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and they left him thinking he was dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep, in the ocean. In journeys I have often been in perils, uh, perils in the water, perils by robbers, perils from my own countrymen. I've been in perils from the Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city and in the wilderness. I've been in danger in the sea and among false brethren. I have been weary and exhausted in work. I've been in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in cold and nakedness. And besides other things, what comes upon me is the weight of my deep concern for all the churches. You see... He's saying, I have suffered greatly. And of course, that goes to right where he was when he wrote this. He was in prison, in a Roman prison, in chains. And so 
when he says, what has happened to me? Paul is talking about things that none of us have experienced. We may have experienced some different things, but you see Paul is saying, you know what? I've been stoned to death. You want to talk about betrayal. You want to talk about emotional hurt. I have been deceived by false brethren and, and uh, 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 used. You see, he understands physical pain. He understands emotional pain. Uh, he understands um, even spiritual pain because there was times when God would not even answer his prayers. And yet he says, what has happened is joy. So when we think of Paul, Paul knows what we've been through. And so if Paul can still say what has happened brings joy, then we can say that too, no matter what you've been through. So let me give you the three keys that he shows us how can we make the things that have happened to us result in joy? Well, here's the first way. It says uh, in verse 12, you see what has happened has served to advance the gospel. Here's the first thing that needs to bring joy in our life, that no matter what is happening, I find joy because the kingdom of God is moving forward. You need to understand that everything that has happened to you is part of the plan of preparation for God to bring the kingdom of God into your life and into the world. And yes, there's pain. God uses the pain uh, of disappointment, um, of, of absolute uh, tragedy, sometimes to lay the foundation that he is going to build upon. Uh, and so the question is, do we have a kingdom view or do we have a me view? Paul says, here's where I find joy. The only way that we can find joy is we need to look away from what is happening to me and begin to say, God, I am focused on what is happening to the kingdom. Because God, I trust and I believe that you are building your kingdom. And we need to understand that when we have a focus on the kingdom view um, and, and we look at the promises of God that even though we may never see it, we are part of that foundation that is leading up to the return of Christ where he is going to judge all of the earth, put everything right, and he is going to establish a new and a lasting way of joy and peace. And I am part of that. Even if I never see um, uh, the correction while I live in this stage of life, I am still aware that everything that is happening to me is part of the plan of God. And if it's part of the plan of God, then I'm going to rejoice in it. Paul is saying if it was part of the plan of God uh, that I be beaten with rods, that I be stoned to death, that I be shipwrecked, I don't know what it's working out, but I know that God is causing all things to work together for good. And I trust his promise. If God has told me that, then I just have to believe that it needs to happen. You see, when you're building a building, I'm going to tell you what needs to happen. You got to tear up that dirt. You got to dig deep to lay the foundation. 
Um, sometimes uh, you got to rip out roots that are in the ground. And, and there is painful, hard work. And if you just look at that, you don't see the building. You don't see anything. All you see is rough uh, uh, pain and sweat. And yet God knows that there are sometimes long periods of that preparation that has to take place if the building is going to truly be as glorious as he wants it to be. And it's the same in our life. You see, we cannot see the building that God is building in us, the kingdom of God that he is preparing for us. We're still in a point of, of uh, maybe we're still in the point of being broken open, of being plowed up before the the, the, the harvest can be made. The, the, the ground has to be broken and, and, and plowed. And maybe we're just, man, we're being plowed right now. But we need to look forward and rejoice that the kingdom of God is being established. You see, we need to have a kingdom view. That if it takes me dying for someone else to be brought into the kingdom, then God do it. You see, Jesus was willing to be beaten and, and, and crucified that we might be able to be brought into the kingdom. And I thank God that he was willing to say, what is happening to me is the source of joy, even though it hurts. And, and, and he didn't even want it. He said, God, take it away from me if you can. But he says, but if not, oh, let your will be done because I know that it is going to bring forth such a beautiful fruit of joy. And so we need to begin to look at what is happening to us and realize that God has planned it. You may not be able to even understand that. How can a good God allow what is happening happen to me? I'll tell you why. Because he loves you. And he knows what's going to come from that if you will let it. Now, it is true that he can bring all that and you can refuse it. And you can just let it destroy you. And at that point, he's going to say, I tried. Um, and move on. And that's the sad part. But if we embrace a kingdom view like Paul and says, what has happened has advanced the gospel. And if it means me being in prison and you being able to accomplish other people seeing what is happening to me and that encourages them, then that's all I care about, that God is advancing the kingdom. We need to have a kingdom view. Uh, God tells us in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, we know this verse. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. You see, don't seek for your own pleasure and don't seek to try and fix everything uh, right now because you're suffering Seek the kingdom of God. Seek his presence. Spend time in prayer. God, show me what you're doing. And if you don't show me, give me a trust that what you're doing is in the plan of the kingdom. You see, we need to seek the kingdom of God. We also know the great promise that I, that I mentioned already earlier in Romans 8, 28, that God tells us that all things will work together for good to those who love God and are called to his purposes. You see, in the middle of the hardest trial, if you will simply just love God and say, God, I want your purpose in this. And if this is what your purpose is, then I embrace it. And let it be the strongest foundation so that one day I'm going to see what it was building. And it will turn out for my good. You see, that's a kingdom view. 
That's an understanding that God is at work. We even know in Jesus's ministry uh, that they came before him and they brought the blind man. And they said, Jesus, why is he blind? Was it his fault or was it his parents' fault? Someone sinned. And Jesus said, no. This blindness is not because of sin, but it was for the purpose of God to bring glory to the son. And then he healed him. And he said, this has brought in glory and revelation of the son. So that man suffered in blindness for years and years because God knew that one day Jesus was going to be there and it was going to be his joy to be part of a miracle that would show people who Jesus was. You see, when we begin to choose to be kingdom-minded rather than self-minded, then no matter what happens, we can trust God and rejoice that he is building something great. And the harder it hurts, man, he must be building an even bigger building because he's going deep. He's digging deep into my heart. Trust God and joy comes out. The second thing is Paul says, not only uh, do I rejoice because the gospel is being advanced, but he says what has happened has caused it to become known or evident throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest, that my imprisonment is in Christ. He's saying, here's the one thing that I rejoice, that because of what has happened to me, I have been an evident, uh, a, a, a reflection to people who would have never seen Christ. You see, we need to begin to see what has happened to us as an opportunity to reflect the glory of Christ. Paul is saying, because of what is happening to me and because I'm taking advantage of that and I am being joyful and I am praising God in the midst of it, you know what? They're seeing in me, they're seeing, what is wrong with that guy? There is something evident in that guy that's different from all the other prisoners. He keeps talking about this God and yet he's in prison. And he said, I praise God that the guards are seeing the evidence of Christ in me. In other words, they're seeing the reflection of love and joy. You see, in the midst of the, the pain and the suffering, Paul chose to show the love and joy of God because that's what we have to offer. We, don't, we are not trying to offer them a solution to their problems. Paul was not offering a solution to the problems because he was stuck in jail and there was nothing that was going to get him out. So he was not offering them a different way to do life better. He was offering them a vision of Jesus himself, of the love and joy within his heart. So when we begin to take what is happening to us and embrace it and rejoice in it, I'm telling you, we get the privilege of being a reflection of Christ that becomes an evidence to those around us. Now, what is evidence? In a crime, evidence is what helps prove something, right? Uh, so they take the evidence and they present the evidence uh, before the judge or before the jury, and that proves uh, the fact of what you can't see. See, the evidence is what you can see so that you can prove what you didn't see. And you need to understand that we are the evidence that Christ has redeemed us, that Christ 
has a better hope coming. We don't see it yet, but there's something coming. See, the people around us, they can't see what's coming. And they can't see what Jesus did. But what they can see is the evidence of our attitude, of our life. So I want to ask you, are you the evidence for Christ? Or are you just the evidence of why there is no God? Uh, Maybe you are uh, making God invisible to them because, man, if we call ourselves Christians, but yet we still grumble and and just complain and, and stir things up as much as anyone else, then then there must be nothing different about this God that they proclaim. You see, I want to be evident that God has a new life promised for us. And and so when we embrace the things that happen to us and begin to use that opportunity to, to let it change us, let it mold us, because it's not the way it becomes evidence to others is because of how it changes us. And it changes us for the better. And so I want to say, God, whatever you're bringing in my life, not only is it evidence, but it's evidence for me. It it changes my heart. It gives me endurance. It gives me uh, 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 self-discipline. It gives me the ability uh, to persevere. So it gives me strength. And as it grows me, it becomes evident to those around me. I want to be a reflection to people around me of Christ. What a joy it is when you know that someone saw Christ because of you. There is no greater joy than in the midst of a tragedy, you have the ability to share Christ. Man, that's the joy of the Lord because it's not about me. For me to be able to reflect Christ in someone else's life, that they may see the greatest person in the world and they see him because of me that's something to rejoice about and so we can have joy no matter what has happened you see what has happened has made me a witness an evidence a reflection to the world and so i rejoice and sometimes god brings something terrible in our life simply for that reason because we need to reflect or there's someone that's going to be in our life watching us at that time that that reflection is going to be at the right time to make all the difference in their life well the third thing he says not only do i rejoice because the kingdom of god is growing because of what has happened to me not only do i rejoice because other people are are seeing christ in me because of what has happened but he says also that most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and have begun to be much more bold to speak the word of God. You know what he said? I am so glad that I have been able to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, what has happened to me, it's hard for me, but it's good because it gives me opportunity not only to to share to the lost but to encourage my brothers because see when they see what's happening to me then they don't have to be afraid because if i can do this they can do it and when they see and as i encourage them that that god is working in me then it gives them confidence that god will work in them and that there can be a joy in them if they have to suffer for christ that suffering for christ is not something to be avoided but it is something um, uh, that we can rejoice in. 
In fact, we know that Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew chapter 5, he said, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and they say all kinds of evil against you and falsely accuse you for my sake, but rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And look what Jesus says, but you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It is good for nothing. You are the light of the world and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do we hide a lamp under a basket. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. You see, Paul says, these things that have happened have given me the opportunity to rejoice and to encourage others that you can do it. You can keep on. And so there is joy in knowing that you have given someone else strength. My joy in the midst of this is hopefully in some little ways I can encourage you that no matter how tired you get in this lockdown and quarantine, I want to encourage you Look, it's hard on me too, but I rejoice in God and we're going to make it through. And so I encourage you, be confident and even be bold to listen to God, to let him stir up in, diff in you different ways that he can use you to make a difference in your neighborhood, at your work, in your family, and begin to encourage others. You see, there is joy knowing that you're making a difference in other people's life. In fact, Jesus said that's really the, the only source of joy. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, that love is the source of joy. When you begin to love others, and what greater way to love someone than to encourage them and to embolden them to be better in Christ? That brings me joy. You can rejoice in the midst of your trials if you will turn your trials into opportunities to encourage others. In the midst of, of your pain and suffering, begin to pray for others. Be the salt of the world. You see, salt gets ground up and mixed in uh, to the things around it. But as it does, it gives life to it. It gives flavor. Uh, it gives pre preservation. So you may feel like you're being ground up. But you need to pray, God, make this grinding time of my life a time where I will give life to those around me. Thank God that you, you see me worthy enough to suffer for you, Jesus. Because in suffering, the joy and love can spread farther. And so when we begin to see our life as an opportunity to encourage others, then there is joy. There is purpose and meaning. So here's the question. Are we helping to build the kingdom of God? No matter what happens. Sometimes you may not know how what is happening to you is building, but you just have to say, God, I don't know what it's doing, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to embrace it because you brought it. So therefore it must have a purpose. And so therefore let it have its purpose to build the kingdom. Let it push the gospel forward. And then, are you reflecting Christ 
to the world around you. Not reflecting your own trials and your own pain and your own sorrow, your own discontentment or your anger. I don't want to reflect uh, a person who just wants to fight for his own rights. Because it's not about my right. I want to reflect the love of Jesus who sacrificed himself and died. He gave up every right that he had so that others could see the glory of God. Are you doing that? Are you dying to yourself in the midst of hardships so that you could have the opportunity to reflect a God who loves us and who is building within us the hope of glory? And then the third thing, are you encouraging your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you saying, God, show me even a different way that I could encourage someone? God, put someone in my heart that I could encourage them. Um, uh, many times we encourage them uh, through an act of kindness. You know, maybe God will put you in your heart just to go and do something special for someone, to encourage them that they can keep going. Uh, maybe there's words of encouragement you can give. Whatever it is, sometimes it's prayers. But no matter what is happening, I can say what has happened to me is giving me joy because the kingdom of God is being built. The reflection of God is going out and we are encouraging one another to move forward as the army of God to see the gates of hell torn down. But that means that there's going to be some things that happen um, that may not be pleasant. But if it's God's purpose, bring it on. So can we say like Paul, what has happened to me is going to fill me with joy. I'm going to rejoice in everything that is happening because God's in control. And his kingdom is what I'm living for. I don't live for my kingdom. We are living for his kingdom and he is at work and he is building it. And one day we will be ushered into it and welcomed in with those great words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray together.